How many of you have ever, you don't have to vote here, but how many of you have ever had to just put your foot down? Ever put, put your foot down? All right, all the parents think that's funny because you know, they know, right? Uh, if you're a parent, you've had, you've, you've had to put your foot down. But the truth is we've all had to put our foot down at different points and times in our life. My grandfather passed away just a couple of years ago, but he loved to tell a story about when I put my foot down as a kid. He, he always tells, in fact, every time I saw him, he would always recall this story where I was about five years old, my younger brother was about three years old, and my parents had dropped us off with my grandparents for the weekend, and so they were uh, taking care of us. It's in the summer in East Texas, so there's nothing else to do except for just to play in the water sprinkler just to try to survive. And so uh, it's very hot and muggy there. So we're out playing in the sprinkler. So for whatever reason, the sprinkler head gets stuck, and it's just pelting my younger brother, three years old. And he's like crying and screaming, and he's, he's clearly upset, but he's three, so I guess he just, he can't figure out how to take a step to the right. I don't know what was going on, but he couldn't, he couldn't figure it out. And so uh, my grandfather, you know, yells out to him, hey, Craig, you, you got to get out of the way, get out of the way of the spray. And I just, something rose up in me, and he always tells the story, because I, clearly I don't remember this, but he tells the story that I stood between my grandfather and my brother, who's getting pelted by the water, and I put up my fist, and in my very West Texas accent, said, he don't want to. <laughs> and I have no idea why I was standing up for my brother getting pelted by water, <laughs> although that was, probably was a very brother, normal brother thing to do, just love seeing him tortured. But anyway, I... I remember that, and, and so, he, so my, then my grandfather has to come over, and he extricate my brother from the water spray, and he's like taking us inside, and, I, and again, he recalls, he recounts this, and he says, that I, as we're walking in, I say, I want my mom, and he says, not near as much as I do right now. That's what he said, so <laughs> I put my foot down when I was five years old because I guess I wanted to see my brother continue to get sprained. There's all kinds of funny things we can put our foot down. You know, you might put your foot down like, I'm not eating that. Or uh, silly things like, I'm not going there, or I'm not going to that place. We put our foot down on a lot of things. But there, is, there are some places we do put our foot down that are really important. When we see something wrong, we put our foot down. When we see places of injustice, we put our foot down. We take an opportunity when we see something has to change. We'll put our foot down in meaningful ways, and I think there are some ways that the Lord is wanting us to put our foot down together as a people. Moses is actually at this place. In a moment, we're going to look at Exodus chapter 33, but he's about to put his foot down in a very unique and special way. Um, let me set this up for you. God has just supernaturally delivered the people of Israel from Egypt out of slavery, very supernatural ways. He cared for and watched out for the people and he parted seas and sent plagues and turned the Nile blood. And he's done these amazing things and delivered them out of the hand of slavery and they're in uh, the wilderness. And during this time, Moses goes up on the mountain to meet with the Lord and he's going to get a download from God about who he is and what God's called him to as God has given them this promised land, this place that he's going to lead them into and they're going to uh, understand who he is and what he has to say about 
their lives and he's going to give them the Ten Commandments and he's going to impart the beauty of his word and his law and what it means to walk with this God and all of what God will do in the promised land. So he's unfolding all of these things, chapters and chapters. You can read about what God is saying there. And then after 40 days, Moses receives this and he comes down off the mountain. And just in a 40-day window, all of Israel has turned its heart away from the Lord. God's just supernaturally delivered them. And 40 days, 40 days, they've turned their heart. They've built a golden calf, a new idol, and they're asking to go back to slavery. We also could be easy to kind of like have a judging glance, but we all know what it's like when you're waiting for an amount of time, 40 days even. And I don't know if you've ever been there before. You're asking for something 40 days and nothing's happening. And you're going like, God, are you even there? So the Israelites have found themselves in this place and they've given uh, their heart over to the idols. And Moses comes down and God has something to say. He's one, he's, he says something to Moses. Listen, listen, listen I'm, a, I'm a covenant-keeping God. I made a promise to you that I am going to do this. I've, I've got a promised land for you. And you're going to be able to go into the promised land. And I'm even going to send an angel before you. And I'm going to give you victory over your enemies. And I'm going to give you all of the things that I promised I would give to you because I fulfill my promises. But you need to hear this. You've turned your heart. And I will send you and I'll give it all to you. But I'm not going with you. My presence will not go with you. And Moses is at this moment in Exodus 33. He hears from the Lord, go up. Exodus 33, verse 3. You can look there in your Bibles. Go up. This is God speaking to a land flowing with milk and honey. But I will not go up among you, lest I consume you on the way, for you are a stiff-necked people. And you might even think, God, that sounds a little harsh, but God's actually being kind and sparing their lives. He's saying, if you were to go up the way that you've turned your heart and walked away from me and seen what I have done and saw the way that I supernaturally parted waters and have delivered you, but it doesn't mean anything to you. And you've so turned your heart away from me and given yourself to an idol. He's actually saying, if my presence with, went with you, it'd destroy you. Exodus 33, there in verse 4, when the people heard this disastrous word, they mourned and no one would put on his ornaments. For the Lord had said to Moses, say to the people of Israel, you're a stiff-necked people. If uh, for a single moment I should go up among you, I would consume you. He's actually caring for them in many ways. It wouldn't even be able to stand his presence. Now, what's about to happen is probably one of the most intimate interactions you will see in all of the Bible, save Jesus himself, the Son of God himself, being among his disciples. And what we're going to see here is one of the most intimate interactions between God and man. Moses does something so profound, it's going to mark the people of God for forever because he's going to say no. He's going to put his foot down here. He's not putting his foot down with God. He's putting his foot down with himself, and he's putting his foot down with the people of Israel. And he's going to say, if you're not going, God, 
then we're not going. Exodus 33, you can look, jump over to verse 15. And he said to him, this is Moses speaking to God, if your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. Meaning, do not send us from the wilderness into the promised land. For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not in your going with us so that we are distinct, I and your people, from every other people on the face of the earth? How did God respond to this Radical move. What you understand what Moses is saying? He's saying, listen, you've done exactly what you said you'd do. You've driven us out, pulled us out of slavery. You've supernaturally delivered us. You promised us this land. You're gonna give it to us. We're gonna step into it. You're gonna give us victory. You've given us all of these promises. But what Moses is saying is, no, because if your presence isn't going, then we don't wanna go to the promised land. He's putting his foot down to himself and to the people to say, we want to be with you. And how does God respond to this heart? What he's going to say is, that's exactly what I was looking for, brother. Well, that's my version of it anyway. Exodus 33, verse 17, and the Lord said to Moses, this very thing that you have spoken, I will do. For you have found favor in my sight, and I know you by name. See, what Moses was willing to do is say this. You can give us all the things. You can give us this amazing promised land. You can give us all the blessings. You can give us all the relationships. You can give us all the favor. You can give us all the victories. But if your presence isn't going, then we don't want to go because all we want, God, is your presence. And God gets to step back and say, Moses, that's exactly what I was looking for. It's exactly the heart that I want from all my people. It's exactly the kind of thought process, the kind of heart that I'm looking for. God promises his presence to whoever will hunger for it. Looking for people that are going, God, more than the things that you give, and we're so grateful for all the blessings, what we really want is your presence. Last week, we got to talk about how God said, I'm going to go away, and I'm going to prepare a home for you so that your heart can be anchored through thick or thin, up or down, good or bad. I've prepared something for you, so hold on to the end. That's my promise. But now he's saying, but I have another promise, and that is this, that if you You'll hunger for me no matter what. I'll come and make my home in you. God does this amazing thing. He doesn't just promise us a great future. Someday, he says, I'll come to you now and give you my presence. But I'm waiting for and I'm looking for those who will hunger for it. They'll ask most amazing interaction here in Exodus 33, which that's your homework because everybody loves homework when they go to church. But go home and read Exodus 33 and read this unbelievable interaction with a man who's going, I don't want it. I don't want it if I don't have your presence. 
Because we can, just like Moses, take the opportunity to put our foot down and say, I don't want to live this life without your promised presence. In fact, I think that's the call that we get. I don't want to live this life without the promised presence of God, because that's what God is looking for. If you're wondering, God's, you know, we live, we we play, uh, we're playing checkers, God's playing chess. And he knows exactly what he's doing with Moses. And he says, my presence isn't going. And he had one man, one man who was willing to say, I'm not going to forego the intimacy and nearness with you for all of the great things that you can give to me. And it changed a nation. And it changed generations. And church, hear this. That is the God we love and serve and is what he has for you and me as well. And that's what we get to see, by the way, because Jesus is going to say the same thing. In John chapter 14, he's having the most intimate dinner of his life. He sat down with his brothers, his boys, his guys, his men, and he's having what is known as the Last Supper, and he's sharing his heart with these men. And in John chapter 14, he's going to change the game, and he's going to say, here's the deal. If you're really real about this, then I want you to know I'm coming to you and I'm going to give you my presence. John 14, 21. Whoever has my commandments, has my word, has my heart, and he keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me is loved by my Father. And I will love him and manifest myself to him. Or another version says, I will show myself to him. I'm going to reveal who I am, reveal my heart. I'm going to give you the full understanding of who my Father is. Skip down one more verse. to Verse 23 says the same thing. If anyone loves me, He'll keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. There's the promise. I will bring my presence and make my home in all who will hunger for it. Love and trust is what he asks for in this moment. That's the intimacy that Moses longed for, right? To say, I don't really care about all the other great promises that to lead and protect and the victories and all those things. In other words, I appreciate the homes and the lands and titles and positions and influence and stability and all of those things, but it's all empty without your presence. All of it's empty without your presence. So we don't want to go. And Jesus is here with his disciples and his followers, and he's going to say, I'm going to bring my presence upon you, and it's going to change you, and it's going to say, there, John 14, 26, just a couple more verses, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, with whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. If you love me and trust me, Hunger, I will give you my presence. I'm going to come and make my home inside of you. I give you revelation of who I am. 
And I'm looking for a partnership here. And he always has been. God has always been looking for partnership. You can go all, you can go back to the Old Testament, whether it's Moses. You can see when King Solomon is building the temple that's going to house the presence of God. The people of God have seen throughout the ages. We can't function without God's presence. We can't function without him speaking into our lives. We've gone days and days, years and years, ages and ages where we've come to him and we've run from him. We come to him and we've run from him. We've learned one thing. We cannot exist without the presence of God. So Solomon builds the temple for the presence of God to come and sit with his people. Second Chronicles chapter 7. Solomon finished the house of the Lord in the king's house. And all that Solomon had planned to do in the house of the Lord and in his own house, he successfully accomplished And then the Lord appeared to Solomon in the night and said to him, I've heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. When I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain or command the locusts to devour the land or send pestilence among my people, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayer that is made in this place. See, what he's saying to Solomon here is, thank you for the house that you've built for my presence, but what I really want to do is come to you. And he's saying, when you'll turn, I want to heal people's lives. I want to bring wholeness to them and their land. I'm ready to visit my people. You build the house, but what I want are hearts that are actually hungry for me, for my presence, who say, God, I'll turn from my ways. I'll turn to your ways. I'll trust what you have for me. And and he even says, the very point of the trying times that you experience in your life is actually about putting the foot down to say, no more. I will seek him, not my own way, not my own life. You're in the middle of trying times. You might be in the middle of a personal one. We certainly feel the weight of that around and across the earth and certainly even what's happening in the Middle East. And what God wants to say is the point of this is to get people to turn their heart to say, God, your presence is everything. To turn our way. It was the same with Moses. It was the same with Solomon. Jesus called it. Jeremiah said the same thing. You know, you've all, all heard, maybe all heard the coffee mug verse, Jeremiah 29, 11, a promise to be for you and not to do harm to you, but to do good to you and to give you hope and give you a future and all of these things. God's beautiful promises for those that will trust him and follow him and walk with him. But he says something right after that. Jeremiah 29, 13, here's what he says. You will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. That's what God's always going after, hearts. I'm gonna do the things in your life. I'm gonna do blessing. I'm gonna cover. I'm gonna lead. I'm gonna pour out. I've got promises. I've got great things for you. But what I want first, what I want chief, and what is most important for all of eternity is your heart.
and my presence coming to you. You'll seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. That's the promise. If you'll repent, meaning turn and come back home, I hear, I forgive, I heal, I restore. That's the promise. If you'll earnestly seek God, here's what he says. I promise you I'll give you my presence. He isn't sitting back, waiting for you to figure it all out so that you can be worthy of his presence. No, he actually gives you the worthiness in his son, and then he gives you his presence. Jeremiah 29, 14, the very next verse. I love this. I will be found by you. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. And I'll restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I've driven you, declares the Lord, and I'll bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. And by the way, he's saying this to the people of Israel. He did it. He brought them back after they had been scattered. And he returned and he restored. And he did it in uh, Nehemiah's day and then he did it again. Established Israel again, even in 1948. God's still moving right here in very modern times. And even everything that's going on in the Middle East is centered around what God is doing. And the question that all the chaos is happening, the question we get to ask is, do I hunger for his presence? Because he's ready to give it. That's the promise. I give you my presence. What do you have to do to get it? You got to perform you got to do the great things. You got to get your life fixed. You got to clean yourself up. No, none of it. What does he say? Turn, just from a heart position, turn. You can even like right now today, been running from God for the last decade of your life, vehemently denying him and saying, I don't want to have anything to do with him. And you can even today turn and say, oh God, I need you. And the power of the gospel is he says, yes, you bet. Turn your heart. That's what he says in Revelation chapter three. He says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him. And he with me. It's an amazing, an amazing promise, an unbelievable declaration. Because you and I could sit in this room and be going through something where you feel like God is a million miles away, but the truth of the word of God is he says, behold, I'm right here and I knock. And if anyone will hear my voice and open the door, I'll come in. And not just come in, but I'll eat with you. I mean, he's saying, I want intimacy and nearness with you. I'm not looking for religion. I'm looking to be with you and have your heart for you to be with me. Not off in the distance, waiting for us to get our act together. He's standing now. And you might even be like, well, listen, Pastor, I'm... I gave my heart to the Lord a long time ago. And we have the Holy Spirit. We're talking about God giving his presence. Don't we already have his presence? Yes. If you're in Christ, you've called on the name of Jesus for life and for 
a wholeness, for him to remove sin, to forgive and to heal and transform you. Yeah, he brings and gives you his Holy Spirit, the whole Holy Spirit, and yet, hear this, there's more. What do I mean by that? How can you have the whole Holy Spirit? Can you have all of the Holy Spirit, and yet there's more? Well, that'll be one of the great conundrums we can ask you. When we get to heaven, we can just ask Jesus, how did that work? I don't know, all right? But here's what the Bible would say. You can get the whole, by the way, if you're young, you don't get Holy Spirit Junior. You have the full Holy Spirit as well. And his presence is with you. And you can be generation breakers, changers, when you have the presence of God. Acts chapter two, the Holy Spirit descends and creates the church in power. The Holy Spirit comes and fills and transforms that room. There's an upper room. They're waiting on God, and his power and his presence comes, and he baptizes, and he fills this church with the Holy Spirit, and they are undone and empowered to step out and live out a full and different life than they ever thought imaginable before. And so they begin to step into all the things that God had for them. And what happens in Acts chapter 4? The authorities come and they say, you got to stop preaching in Jesus' name. They're, they're astounded at what's taking place. And they say, you got to be done preaching in Jesus' name. And they say, listen, you can tell us what to do. But God has called us to be what he's called us to be. We can't stop it. And they threaten them, and all the believers come back, and they huddle back together, that same group, and they're testifying to what God is doing. And what happens that night? God's spirit comes again and fills them again. So he's filling them in chapter two, and he's filling them in chapter four. And what he's saying is, yeah, you get sealed with the Holy Spirit, but hear this, there is more for you even today. There's more for you to be able to have. The presence of God is inexhaustible. He's here, he's present. If you call on Jesus, yes, he's with you, and yet there's more. You could be in the throes of spiritual passion and renewal right now. Hear this, there's still more for you. There's still more for each one of us if we'll call on him. When we sing songs like, Holy Spirit, come fill this place, we recognize that, yes, he's both in here. He says, I'll make my home in you. That's the promise. But I'm also around you and before you and behind you. And I'm ready to continue to author and do brand new things in you if you'll hunger. All I'm looking for is hunger. I don't need your achievements. I don't need your abilities. You may have been off, uh, the, uh, you've been way off the last 10 months of your life, six months, six days, you feel like, oh man, I'm, I'm broken, I can't do it, I feel so far from God, and what he's saying is no, a turn of your heart, hunger for me, and I come. You have my presence. There's more. And that's so unbelievably important because this isn't just about our lives. It's about generations it's about our kids. It's about our kids and their kids and their kids. Should God choose to wait and coming home, bringing us home. It's transformational. What we're saying here is, God, we don't want to live this life without your presence. But it's not just about us. It's also about those that we care for. It's about a spiritual family and our families that we get to care for and asking for God to do generational works asking him to move on our behalf. It's what Moses did in that day. 
He just put his foot down to himself and to Israel and said, we're not going anywhere without your presence. And it changed a nation. It changed generations. We get to do the same thing. Megan, my wife and I will have regular conversations that go something like this. Uh, um, you know, Luke, it's just taking stock of where we're at. Luke, our oldest, has only got a year and a half before he's out of the house. I mean, we're not kicking him out, but if he goes to college, you know, that kind of thing. You know, it was just a year and a half, and our youngest daughter's in high school. No, I don't want that. You know, like, sorry, that's, but I just don't. No, I, I, that, that's in high school. Our youngest daughter in high school. Our oldest daughter, hear, hear this. Uh, if our oldest daughter, Anna Grace, were to get married at the same age that my wife got married to me, that's only seven years from now. Oh. Oh. <laughs> and after I get out of the fetal position crying, I get to think, hey, the presence of God is the most important thing about our children, them having the presence of God. Go do the college thing. Go do relationships, all the, all the things. Hear this. The presence of God is what changes everything. The Holy Spirit alive in us, moving us, changing us, shaping us, speaking to us, taking the word of God and making it alive in us. That's everything. And there are just days where it's worth putting our foot down to say, God, I just do not want to do this life without your presence. I do not want to walk apart from your spirit leading me and guiding me opening the word, opening the truth, revealing who Jesus is and making his home in me for me and for my kids and for their kids and for their kids. It's important. This is the promise. I'm not doing anything. My career doesn't go apart from the presence of God. My marriage doesn't go apart from the presence of God. My children don't go apart from the presence of God. Our relationships and friendships and all the things. And here's what's great is the presence of God makes everything better. The goodness and the presence of God makes everything better. It gives purpose behind all of it. The fun, the joy, the peace, the vacations, all the things, the presence of God is what gives life to it. Everything else is empty. You can have the homes. You can have the free time. You can have the play time. You can have all the things. You can even have the relationships. If you don't have the presence of God, it's all empty. And the gospel is, he has promised you his presence. If you'll seek after him with a real and authentic heart. So church, that's what we get to do. That's what we get to do is ask for real presence. How do we do that? Well, we get to ask ourselves a couple of questions that we'll do. I'll give them to you here. Just some real simple questions we can ask ourselves on a regular basis. And then we'll take some, a moment to finish out here and do this together. A couple questions you can ask yourself. Lord, is there anything in me? Is there any attitude? Is there any action? Is there any heart condition that just needs to be brought before you? To, we use the word confess. That just means agree. Lord, I agree that there's something broken here that needs to shift and change so that my life is submitted to you. Is there anything in me? It's such a, this is such a pure question. It's a dangerous one, but it's a good one. Okay, Lord, what's sitting in me that needs to change? I'm asking the Lord this question. 
in a very real way. Okay, God, what are the things that are broken and need to be changed? I'm asking you, but I, I don't want anything broken to keep me from experiencing the fullness of your presence. I want to be in cooperation, in partnership with the spirit of God that is in me. And two, we get to go, okay, Lord, is there any place that you want to bring more of your presence in my life, more of your truth, more of your power, more of your life, more of your heart? Is there any place that's not surrendered, any place that I'm holding you at an arm's distance where I'm afraid for your presence to come? We get to ask these questions. And the cool thing is this. When we ask these questions, the Bible says he will come. He'll come. He isn't looking for you to get it figured out. Hey, get your life figured out. Once you do, I'll show up. Now he's saying, ask the question. Turn your heart. And I'm here. I'm with you. I'll walk with you. You guys stand with me. going to take a moment to actually get a chance for the Lord to, to move in us. And so if you would, you can put all the distractions aside for just a moment. We just get a chance to be with the Lord together. It's one thing to preach it. It's another thing to listen to it. It's an entirely different thing to step into it with God. And so we'll just ask this question. Okay, Lord, come. God, we're just inviting you. Would you invite the Lord here? Just yourself. How can I invite the Lord here? He's already here, isn't he? Yeah, he's here. But he is looking for a heart that's willing to seek and hunger and knock. That's what the, the words of the scripture that God's looking for. So God, we hunger, we knock, we ask. Would you just ask him to be here? Holy Spirit of God, you're welcome here. Now let's ask the question, okay, Lord, is there anything in me, any action, any attitude, any place, that you want to come and move and change. I want to surrender this. I want to give it to you. Maybe there's a circumstance. Maybe it's a heart posture. I'm going to give us about 30 seconds. And I believe the Holy Spirit will speak to you even now if you'll ask him this question. Okay, Lord. Where do you want to come and change in me? I want to surrender.
Holy Spirit, you're welcome to that place. We welcome you. We don't have it all figured out. We don't even know how to change it. We just want your presence, just like Moses. And just like Jesus said to his disciples, we want you to make your home. So you're invited. And now, Lord, is there any other place in me where you want to bring more of your presence? for the days ahead. Holy Spirit, come. Lead, guide. Ask him for new hunger. step into not just today but tomorrow walking with your presence you are a good father and we trust you and we love you 
We'll finish this morning. We're going to have some prayer partners. If the Lord's just doing something or there's a way we can partner with you or pray for you, we're going to be available here up at the front to do that at the end of this time. I'm going to pray our benediction over us as we go, which is a call, a prayer for the presence of God. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of Jesus, the one who gives and brings, who is the author of all peace, we pray. Amen. Amen. Blessings, guys. Love y'all. We'll see you next week. Prayer partners will be down front.